good to be with you guys, and uh, we're continuing our series, Courageous Community. What is it really going to take for us to be a courageous community? Uh, courageous community, I think, is something all of us would love to be a part of at some point in our life, and God's actually made you to be a part of it. And so this series is inviting you into that. And what we're going to be speaking about to, tonight is um, this, as Ross, uh, I suppose, uh, inferred, we're speaking about the Holy Spirit. And without the person of the Holy Spirit, we can't be a courageous community. We can't be the kind of community God wants us to be, uh, which means you need to be a carrier of the Holy Spirit and have a relationship with the Holy Spirit because when you step into community, He comes with you. I remember uh, so clearly uh, when I was first saved, um, the tactics of certain youth leaders, because I was about 16 then, of certain youth leaders to help us become spiritually mature was to scare us into becoming better Christians. And so something that they said to us is like, well, why would you ever go to a nightclub or a bar and take the Holy Spirit with you in there? And I was like, well, how else is he meant to get in there if I don't take him in there? Because people there need Jesus. Um, and so the point is, is that you're a carrier of the Holy Spirit. And when you do community with other people, He works, He uses you, and you need them because they carry the Holy Spirit to work in your life. And so that's an amazing thing. And so the first thing I want to do is I want to try and convince you that you need the Holy Spirit. So we're going to be reading from Acts chapter 1, verse 1 to 8. It says this, In the first book, O Theophilus, uh, I have doubts with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Uh, first thing is that this Acts was written by Luke, and Luke wrote another book called Luke. Um, the Gospel of Luke. And so he's saying in the first book, he's referencing his Gospel, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach, implying that he still had more to do and teach. And he began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands to the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had, cho whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them, after a suffering by, suffering by many proofs, appearing to them for, during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God fascinating thing here is he said, I wrote to you about the things that Jesus began to do until the day that he was taken up into heaven, which was after he died on a cross, rose from the dead, and appeared to them during 40 days. Which is quite interesting, because if Jesus was only beginning his work to do things and to teach things, how did he continue to do and teach things once he's in heaven? And the answer is through the person of the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus said, it's better for you that I go away because if I, go, if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit won't come. And so Jesus did all his ministry through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the church is meant to do all its ministry through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's how Jesus works and makes his presence known in the church today. So God is still doing and speaking things and teaching things to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 4, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now remember in the Great Commission, Jesus said, go into all the nations and make disciples, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you, and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So go into all the nations, but don't leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. In other words, don't begin your job that I've given you until the Holy Spirit comes. And then it says, um, when they came to him, they said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Because remember, 
the Jewish people were expecting a physical king sitting on a physical throne, and Jesus is a physical king sitting on the throne of heaven. And when he comes back to the city of Jerusalem, he's going to rule and reign from Jerusalem on that day. And they were asking, but when is it going to happen that you're coming to rule and reign from Jerusalem? It's a good question, right? Because for literally thousands of years, the Jewish people had longed for the day when a king like David or a king like Solomon was going to come and rule and reign the earth from Jerusalem. And they're saying, when is this going to happen? Verse 7, he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Stay in, to Jerusalem, stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. Don't begin the job I've given you until the Holy Spirit comes. Jesus, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Will you at this time come and rule and reign from Jerusalem? You don't need to know about that. Stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes and then go and do the job I've given you. What's so fascinating about this is two things. Number one, he was absolutely emphatic. You can't do this life. Don't even try to do this life without the power of the Holy Spirit. Stay in Jerusalem. Don't go anywhere. Don't speak. Stay in Jerusalem. And they were like, okay, fine, we're staying. They had a 10-day prayer meeting. So prayer and praise are starting on the 29th of January. It finishes on the 8th of February. You welcome it the whole time. I'm joking. It doesn't. It's just a one, two hours. So they prayed for 10 days. But the other thing is here is Jesus had an agenda, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and they had an agenda, when will you come and be king from Jerusalem? And so often we come to Jesus with our agenda, Jesus, when will you? And his answer is, it's not for you to know that stuff, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. For example, Jesus, when will you send me my wife? Jesus, when will you send me a husband? Anyone ever ask these questions? How long, O oh Lord, will I wait forever? When, Lord, will you send me the spouse? And the Lord says, it's not for you to know the times of the seasons. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. But Jesus, when will I have that breakthrough in my career? It's not for you to know the times of the season. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, when will you save my family? Great question. Not for you to know. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And what happens is we continually insert our agenda into this relationship and God comes back to us and says, you need to be full of the Holy Spirit because when you're full of the Holy Spirit, you've got what you need to navigate whatever you find yourself in now. And I can work through you. What Jesus is doing is he's calling them back to let the first things be first. Let the first things be first. Be full of the Holy Spirit. Have a relationship with me through the power of the Holy Spirit. Have an intimate connection with me through the power of the Holy Spirit, and I will work in your life. How many of us spend all our time asking God, when will you, questions? And God's answer is, be full of the Holy Spirit right now. Right now. And the question I've got for you tonight is, are you convinced that you cannot do the Christian life or be a part of a courageous community without the person of the Holy Spirit? Are you convinced of that? Because if you're convinced of that, I've got good news for you. Jesus wants to give you the Holy Spirit. He wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit, and He wants to work in your life through the person of the Holy Spirit. And so I've got some stories tonight trying to help you understand how God works 
uh, in our lives for the person of the Holy Spirit. But I'm not going to be telling them. Because I know how you think. You're like, you're a pastor. Of course you've got those stories. Or you're a pastor. You have to say this kind of stuff. So I've got a friend of mine who's going to come and share her story. Her name is Estelle. Why don't you give her a hand as she comes up? Amen. Are you on? Well, no. while she's figuring out technology. No, yes, yes. Good evening, everybody. This is Estelle. She's a really good friend of mine. She's married to Pete, the handsome Greek over there in the front row. And uh, I got to know as Pete and Estelle probably about five, six years ago yes. now. We've done lots of ministry together, and they've played uh, really a great friendship role in my life. Um, We've worked, and this is yours together, quite a lot, and uh, helping people get integrated into our church. Um, I've been on the streets, literally of Windermere. Uh, you might have noticed if you drive down there at night, there's a few people standing around on the side of the road. The style had a heart and vision to go minister to them, so we walked up there one night and we're praying for people and, and sharing the gospel with them. Um, Estelle actually prophesied, in other words, God spoke uh, to us, my wife and I, uh, when we were falling pregnant and we were going through the process of trying to fall pregnant, which you know, it apparently isn't as easy as everyone makes out. Um, and so we needed some encouragement. And God really, one night at their house, we were having dinner, and she just started prophesying uh, about uh, the fact that we were going to uh, have a baby and, uh, and really spoke into that situation. So God's really used them in a, in a key way uh, in our lives, and they've been phenomenal friends uh, for Teresa and myself. And, um, and Estelle's one of those people that just carries such a sense of joy um, I love being around her and Pete. She carries joy. She carries peace. And uh, you know, like those people that you're around and you, you feel, the biblical word is edified, which means built up. You feel encouraged just hanging out with them. So thank you so much for being with us tonight. And uh, I've got uh, the first question for you. Sal, you've actually had quite a long and interesting relationship with the Holy Spirit. Um, and he's played quite a vital role in your personal faith journey. Um, when did you come to faith and first meet the Holy Spirit? Okay, so I came to faith um, when I was 23. I gave my life to Jesus. And about three months thereafter, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And I remember that Sunday night uh, so clearly. Um, the pastor was praying over us, and I felt my lips started to move, and I knew it wasn't me. And I knew something supernatural had happened to me. And as I even was leaving the church building, I could still feel and sense the presence of the Holy Spirit on me. So... If that sounds strange, like when your lips are moving and you know it's not you, um, what Estelle is describing is what in the Bible is called the gift of speaking in tongues. So the gift of speaking in tongues is where God supernaturally gives you a prayer language that you don't understand. Um, it's a language that you've never learned, and you can pray in this new language. And the great thing about that is that you always pray the perfect will of God. Because sometimes like you're praying, Lord, I pray for that, that that person, I'd marry them. And God's like, that's not my plan. But when you pray in tongues, I'm making a joke here, you can laugh. Um, <laughs> but when you pray in tongues, you'll never pray a wrong prayer because the Holy Spirit always prays perfectly through you. Uh, and the other thing is that for every believer, there's an experience after salvation. She said, I came to faith, mm -hmm. and three months later, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. 
So you can be born again, but not filled with the Holy Spirit. You have the person of the Holy Spirit, but there's another experience where you get filled with the Holy Spirit. And generally speaking, it's marked by one of two things. Number one, um, speaking in tongues. And you'll read this in the book of Acts again and again and again. Whenever believers were filled with the Holy Spirit, they spoke in tongues or they prophesied. Those two things generally, and prophesied is when God speaks to you for other people, okay? And so those things are, are how God works, and, uh, and that's what Estelle described. Now, if you're sitting here going, that sounds weird, um, we completely understand that that's not normal. It's not like there's, you, you experience it anywhere else in life, okay? So weird means that you have, might not have ever experienced that, and you don't, can't really explain it, and we can't. Um, but what happens um, for a lot of us is that we get filled with the Holy Spirit and we speak in tongues, myself included, a few months after I came to faith. And um, we love to pray. If you, if you want to know more, we're going to have a get filled evening in a couple of Mondays' time. And you can come along and we'll explain more about this stuff because understanding really helps. And we'll pray for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so Estelle, what was the effect of being filled with the Holy Spirit on your faith journey during those early days? Well, there was definitely an immediate difference. Um, I remember that, first of all, I was just so filled with so much peace and so much joy, and uh, I just couldn't stop smiling. But I really got a hunger for the Word. I really wanted to read my Bible at every opportunity I got. And um, I stopped drinking, I stopped going to nightclubs, and I got really involved with the youth uh, on Friday nights and with home group on Wednesday nights, and I got involved with street outreach. And um, the, the main thing is I really uh, started to enjoy my salvation. Uh, I, I began, I was spiritually alive, which I wasn't before. And my salvation means so much more to me, and I started to really enjoy Jesus. And um, also that heavenly language that you talk about, because it is when, when we pray in tongues, the, the Father really knows our heart. The Holy Spirit knows every single detail about me. He knows my inner thoughts, my fears, my dreams, and He also knows the will of my Father God in heaven for me. So when He prays through me, and I allow Him to pray through me, He prays God's perfect will for me. And then he will, His will towards me and towards each and every one of us in this building is always to remind us, first of all, how much He loves us and that He wants to heal us and He wants to prosper us and He wants to protect us and He wants to guide us and He wants to lead us into all good things that He has set aside for us. And the Holy Spirit is also the spirit of truth. He always reveals the truth to us, you know, and uh, he always takes me back to Jesus. He always says, but this is what Jesus did for you on the cross, and this is who you are in Christ, in each and every circumstance. And I know that he wants to have a relationship with each and every one of us. So I speak to him, and he speaks to me. So yes, uh, my life was very different thereafter. Okay, so what Estelle said is, I speak to God, but He speaks to me. And if I've been asked this once, I've been asked this a hundred times, how do you know when God is speaking to you? And when I answer that, um, I generally give two points. Number one, if someone has come to faith, if you're a born-again Christian, you've heard God speak to you. And you're like, well, I'm not sure I had. When someone preached the gospel and they say, would you like to give your, Jesus, uh, your, your life to Jesus? There's normally something inside of you that said, I want to, but I'm nervous, but I want to. And you, the sense of being drawn to God, that's God speaking to you. Because the Bible says no one comes to the Father unless the Spirit of God draws him. No one gets saved unless the Spirit of God is working. And so that's God speaking. And so there's those moments when you have a desire to take action or to give your life to Jesus. That's God speaking to you. And the second thing is that 
You so w- w- we think it's very easy to hear people speaking us and understand because like I can hear my wife using audible words speaking to me. Um, but what I've learned is that she might be speaking to me, but I might be hearing something completely different from what she's saying. And you learn this when you're married. Like you, you convince she said X, but actually she didn't. Um, and communication isn't as straightforward as we think. Because so often we communicate and we think someone's got us, but they don't actually have us, or they don't actually understand where we're at. And, and so learning to really hear someone, it's better now. We've been married for nearly nine years, okay? So now I'm understanding more, but there's still times when she says something to me, and I'm like, sorry, what? Like, I don't really understand. And you can, and it's the same with God. It's like, sometimes he speaks and you, and you ask it, but I think you might be saying X, but maybe you're saying Y, and you start having that conversation, which is not that dissimilar, actually, from our relationships with, well, my relationship with my wife. Um, and, and so the truth is, is that the longer I spend time with her, the more I know her, the, the easier it is to really understand what she's saying, and it's no different from God. So if you're in that space where you're like, I think God's saying, maybe he's saying, that's the same as learning to hear anyone really speak to you. Mm. I, you, you're saying this, and I really feel like this is your heart or whatever. And so it's a journey, and as you spend time with, with God, it's not like there's this moment where it's like, now I understand the one, two, three principles of how God communicates. It's over time, as you hang out with Him and spend time with Him, you just start to understand God's voice a little bit better for you. Um, now, Estelle, those experiences were very important because they actually kept you through some very, very difficult years, and you ended up with almost a non-existent Christian life for almost 10 years. Can you just tell us about that journey? Well, you would think with such an awesome gift that I would just have gone from strength to strength and I should be walking on water by now. But um, sadly, that's not how it went. About four years after, I really just started to gradually walk away from the things of the Lord. It wasn't a sudden decision. It was a gradual compromise. It was just in the small things, and one decision led to another. I would start drinking a little bit, and a little, uh, drinking a little bit became drinking a little bit more, and then I would go to nightclubs again, and then, uh, okay, I'm going to miss church, and I'm going to read my Bible. Oh, no, maybe not, I won't. And then I stopped reading my Bible altogether. I stopped praying altogether. I stopped praying in tongues altogether. And I just really got involved for at least a 10-year period of just really chasing the joy of the world, really getting involved with the pleasures of the world. And in this period of my life, I was so torn. And I remember I was so far removed from the Lord. You know, when you indulge in those things, the, the enemy can have a whale of a time with you, and he can convince you of many lies. And it normally sounds like this. Um, you can't possibly go back to church on Sunday. Look what you did last weekend. You know, you first need to clean up your act. And that shame and that guilt really keeps you in such a place that you just think you're not worthy of speaking to the Lord. You're not worthy to crying out to Him. But even in this period of of absolute darkness for me, um, I never forgot that first Sunday night when my mouth moved. And I knew the Holy Spirit was real. And I always knew that Jesus is real. And I knew that uh, He never left me. And that memory was literally a lifeline to me in that season of my life. I pushed him away. I silenced him. He still tried to nudge me in the right direction because the Holy Spirit doesn't scream, he doesn't shout, and he doesn't push. He's gentle he's, and he's patient. And it will go like this. Uh, I will be getting dressed to go out for a party, whatever, and I will just get the thought, don't go to this party. It's not a good thing. There's going to be some dodgy people there. There's going to be some dodgy goings on there. <laughs> and I will go, yes, Holy Spirit, you know what? I've got this. I'll go for one hour. I'll just have one drink. So you know what? I'll speak to you tomorrow morning. 
I've got this. But then, of course, that's not how it would turn out. And tomorrow morning, I wasn't speaking to him at all. So, uh, so it was a gradual process. But I know that he always wanted to have that relationship with me all along. He never left me. And um, I know that the joys of the world might seem like the answer for the moment. But it properly, I can promise you, it is fake. It is just a complete counterfeit. The joy of the Holy Spirit is completely different. It is a joy that literally lives inside of you, a joy and a peace that you can access at any time when you feel sad, when you feel depressed, or you feel lonely. You can always access that, that peace. And I've tried both joys, and I promise you the Holy Spirit is the real deal. That's awesome. And uh, Pete was one of those guilty pleasures um, at that time. He was. And, uh, and he was also a nightclub owner. So. Yeah. You had free entry to all the jewels you wanted. I did. Um, I did get in free. Yeah. Oh, I love having a microphone. Um, <laughs> the amazing thing is what Sal's told you is the, the fact that God had given her experience that kept her through the difficult times. So I want to read a verse from you uh, from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, and then I'm going to explain to it and how it really applied to Estelle's life. It says, In him, that's Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So when Estelle came to faith at 23 and got filled with the Holy Spirit, God put his seal onto Estelle. You're mine. You belong to mine. So in the ancient world, a seal uh, showed authority and showed that you belonged to someone. And so God marked Estelle, and he marked Estelle with a supernatural experience where she spoke in tongues. And so that no matter what she went through, 10 years mm. of kind of like, yes, Lord, maybe next week, all that mm. kind of stuff, and I don't feel good enough, and feeling guilty, and all this kind of stuff, uh, she could never deny that God was real, that mm. Jesus was real, that He loved her, or that He had saved her. Mm. And so the Holy Spirit there is a seal on our lives, and every single one of us as believers are going to go through seasons where we don't quite think we're doing that well as Christians. Mm. But God's seal works on our life because we know, hey, when I was there, God knew where I was, what I was going to walk you, but when I was there, God found me. He put a seal on my life. For me, it, it was 10 years of struggling with depression, where I was going, God, where are you? When are you going to heal me? When are you going to come through for me? But I could remember as a 16-year-old a moment when I was filled with the Holy Spirit supernaturally, uh, lying in my bed at home, and God's love overwhelmed me. God's sense of joy overwhelmed me. And I always look back and I say, God, I know you're real and I know you love me and I know that you, you've moved in my life. And so you need the Holy Spirit because he's a seal on your life that will keep you through the ups and downs of life. Okay. Um, so Estelle, how did you renew your faith? Because you don't still go to nightclubs that often anymore. Um, and what role did the Holy Spirit play in that? Okay, well, I really, through all the guilt and the shame and just really feeling so down and depressed and worn out, I eventually went back to church and I joined a home group. And the first night I arrived at the home group, a guy walked up to me and he prophesied over me. And he said to me, you have eyes like an, like an eagle. You'll see into the spirit. And with that prophecy, uh, something just awakened in me. And I just realized that the Holy Spirit has got plans for me, purposes for me, and things that He wants me to move in, in the power of God that I have not walked in as yet. And He was right there for me to say, you know what, I'm going to help you with this. Now that you're coming back to me, we're back on track. He, for, he, promised, uh, he convinced me that I was forgiven. First of all, I knew that I was forgiven. And uh, He gave me the strength to say no, you know. And of my own strength, I could never manage. How many times I said, I'm never going to do that again. And two weeks later, I'm right back there doing it again. 
But when I invited the Holy Spirit back to have that intimate relationship, uh, he gave me the strength. And um, I know Rana Bonke says that it's not a question of how much of the Holy Spirit you have. It's a question of how much does he have of you. So how much have you surrendered to him? So the minute you surrender, he just comes rushing back in because he wants to convince you again and he wants to have that personal, close relationship and know that you can have his peace and his joy. And Galatians 5 verse 16 says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That to me sounds like a promise. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17 says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. There's freedom of bondage of sin. And out of your own strength, you cannot get free. But when he comes and helps you, he helps you to resist the temptation of the enemy. And you keep resisting the enemy, and he will flee. He'll give up on you. That's awesome. And uh, what you, you needed to hear there is that she took a step, but she went into mm. a home group. Mm. And it was in that context that someone was able to know her, minister to her life. And so that's why, as a church, we take home groups and, and life groups so seriously, because we really believe that there's other ministers that need to share uh, their lives with you, and, and you might, you know, in that moment, like you'll have eyes like an eagle. It's like, yo, that's awesome, because um, eagles can see far. Um, but uh, you can see into the spirit. And, and what I've known about Estelle all these years later is that she's got the ability to see in the spirit what's really going on, and deal. You know, it says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, and deal with what's really going on. And so, you know, for years, there's someone going like, I don't know, eagle eyes, like you know, look yourself in the mirror, like are those eagle eyes? Um, but the truth is, is that God had spoke something of life to her uh, about who she was going to be. And so we really invite you to get involved in a courageous community mm. where people have the courage to, to pray those things over each other. Mm. Um, Sal, you have such confidence in the person of the Holy Spirit to help you with everyday, I suppose, ordinary things. Wow. Well, as I said earlier, it is, a, it is a question of surrender. You know, I didn't surrender all at once. It was uh, some parts of my life I still wanted to keep to myself. And um, my finances was one of them. Um, I, it took me a while to start tithing, but the Holy Spirit convinced me, and He said, you know, you trust me in this, and I will make sure that you will never lack nothing. And uh, I decided to, and He's been absolutely 100% faithful in this. And He's also given me a boldness. You know, before when I was running around with my friends uh, to nightclubs, I never wanted to tell anybody that how I felt about Jesus in my heart, because I thought that I would be ostracized. I thought, oh, well, they'll definitely won't invite me back to the next party. But after I received the Holy Spirit and I started having that intimate relationship again, uh, He made me bold. So now those same very friends, when they're in a tough spot or when they're going through a difficult time, they come to me and say, you know, please, can you pray for me? And of course, I would love to pray for you. So um, that is the boldness that He just gives you. And um, he helps us to pray. In those moments, he helps me to pray. When Peter's father was very sick, he was dying of leukemia, um, he asked us to please come pray for healing. And we went, and the whole family was around the, the sick bed. And while we were praying, all of a sudden, my gift of tongues came back. Now, you must remember, for 10 years, I never spoke in tongues. I didn't know I still had the gift. It just came out, and it came out in a bold way. And I remember uh, Peter's brother still said, I didn't know Estelle speaks Russian. <laughs> so... It wasn't Russian, but hey, it was the Holy Spirit that was really interceding for what the will of God was in that, uh, on that moment. I thought we were praying for a gift of healing, for a miracle. 
but what the Holy Spirit actually did in that room that day, he came and hovered over every person in that room. And by the time we finished praying, everybody in that room committed their lives to Jesus. Peter's brother gave his life to the Lord. His girlfriend gave his life to the Lord. Peter's mother gave his life to the Lord. You see, so the, the Holy Spirit knows the Father's will, and he will intercede through us the perfect will of the Lord, of the Father. And um, Stavros wasn't healed. He died three weeks later. But a week before he died, we had a conversation. And he said to me, you know, at that day, all my prayers were answered. I have been asking of the Father that I would see my family saved before I died. So that is how the Holy Spirit works. And you know, he also guides me. He guides me in everything. He can save you a lot of time. Uh, when you... <laughs> He's the ultimate helper. You know, when you don't know where you put your keys and you're looking through the house frantically and you go, oh, I'm going to be so late. You eventually get to the end of it and you go, Holy Spirit, you know where they are. Please show me where they are. And you'll get a picture in your head. There's the kettle and there's the keys next to the kettle. And then you walk to the kettle and there's the keys next to the kettle. So he's incredible in that way. And you also bring scripture to my remembrance. So when I go through a really tough time at work, and I can get so stressed out at work that I just cannot see a solution, I think, oh my word, I'm really going under with this. Um, a, a scripture will pop into my head, James 1 verse 2, rejoice in your trials. Rejoice in my trials. I don't feel like rejoicing. I want you to fix this, Lord. Take me out of this trial. And again it will come. Rejoice in, my, re rejoice in your trials. And then, okay, Lord, I'm going to rejoice. So uh, thank you, Lord, for this trial. Thank you, Father, that you're strengthening me in this trial. Thank you, Father, that you know the solution to this problem. You've got this problem. I'm going to see your hand in this problem. And the minute I hand it over and that joy and that peace comes back, then the solution normally comes. And it normally comes out of a way and a direction that you never thought it would. You're trying to fix the problem this way, and the solution to the problem comes completely out of the other way, and you so know it's him. It's just amazing. Awesome. Uh, last question. Uh, you have such a real confidence and a boldness to share your faith with other people. Why? Well, as you can hear, I'm passionate about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and I just want everybody I meet to be filled with him so that he can be their helper, that he can be their source of wisdom, that he can be their peace. You know, like you said earlier, uh, Jesus is the one that baptizes us in the Holy Spirit, and he said, I'll go to the Father, and it's good that I go to the Father because I'm going to send you another. And um, when he comes to live inside of us, he guides us, and he really leads us into the perfect plan that God has for us. And, um, you know, sometimes I speak to people and they say, oh, they're a little bit scared of the Holy Spirit. They're not quite sure. They've seen people behave in a very strange way when they come under the power and the presence of God. And they've looked at it and go like, mm, I don't think that's for me. But I just want to assure you that the Holy Spirit is a complete gentleman. He's a respecter of our wills. He will never override your will. He will never embarrass you. He will never make you do something that you don't want to do. He will only have and do in you and through you what you allow him to do. So you don't need to be scared. You know, you can really just open your heart. And, and Jesus says, I will not withhold my spirit from you. So um, I just want to say that you've got absolutely nothing to lose, but everything to gain. And when you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, you never have to face another day in this world in your own strength ever again. Thanks, Gary. Thank you so much, Estelle. Please give her a hand. I started this um, sermon by saying that so often we bring our agenda to God and God's answer to us is be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And I think for so many people here, you've got an agenda and you've got questions for God. And I really want to say to you tonight, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And maybe you were, uh, Estelle was years ago, where you, you've kind of drifted from your faith and you're just feeling stuck in guilt and feeling ashamed. The Holy Spirit loves you. And as you, I mean, Estelle says she, she went to life group and the first time she went, someone spoke into her life. And, and as we take a step towards him, he'll meet you. And he, he wants to encounter you and, and he wants to break that shame and that guilt off your life and assure you that you're forgiven and that he, he can work in you and through you. Maybe you, you faced with a family member who's sick or, or people who need to come, faith, uh, come to faith and you, you're crying out for them, which is awesome. We need to pray for people to get saved. But I want to say to you, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And maybe you are in a work situation and stuff. Maybe you've lost your keys for weeks. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, and I, I make jokes, but I think the, the truth is, is that God loves to be involved in the details of our life. And so often we think God doesn't because of who we are. And the truth is that God loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you so intimate that as a cell says, it's like the joy and the peace comes from the inside out. I, spend, I like enjoy hanging out with Estelle and Pete because they carry peace, but it's so much better to hang out with the Holy Spirit because he's a joy from the inside out. And luckily, I don't have to choose. I get to do both. And what I really want to say to you is, uh, is trust God to meet you where you're at.